Yo, 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 what's good, everybody? What's good, what's good, what's good? Welcome back, welcome back. Long time known here, right? <laughs> uh, long time no see, long time no here. Uh, I know you guys haven't heard my voice in about two weeks uh, after, uh, I, you know, I, I recorded an episode. I gave you guys two episodes prior to the conference championship weekend. Uh, obviously, we saw the outcome of those games, ridiculous outcomes. Obviously, we know the Super Bowl now, Cincinnati and the Rams. But you guys haven't heard my voice since then. Um, Super Bowl week. Super Bowl week. I wanted to give myself a week in between. Um, you know, I'm moving back into college and so forth. So that's been pretty good. I'm doing fine. I hope you guys are doing well. First and foremost, welcome back to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. I'm your humble, I'm your humble and highly favored host, Isaiah Kid. And you know, like I said, I haven't I haven't touched in with you guys. Uh, I didn't drop an episode last week. Uh, so I'm here, ready for this week's episode, Wednesday episode, Super Bowl, Super Bowl week. Uh, if you guys want me to be honest, right? Uh, I started this podcast in the summer of 2020, uh, or 20, yeah, 2020, 2020, no, no, 2019. Sorry. And I have predicted the last two Super Bowls wrong, incorrectly. I picked the 49ers to win the Chiefs and 49ers Super Bowl, obviously. And I picked the Chiefs to win last year's Super Bowl. They lost. So I'm 0-2 as far as picking Super Bowls. And you guys know, you guys know my track record. If you're a regular listener, you know I do a pretty good job with predicting and picking these games. But for some reason, especially in the Super Bowl, I just can't get it right. So hopefully my prediction comes out right this time. Um, but it's not even about being right. Uh, I'm just going to break down the keys and the entails of the game like I usually do. Um, but there's just so much news right now in the sports world. Uh, and, and like I said, I know it's Super Bowl week. I know people are probably excited. I know I talk about the Rams a lot. I, I know I, I profess my, my, my gratitude and how much I love the Rams and Sean McVay and what they do. Uh, and then Cincinnati, it's Cincinnati is a really good feel good story. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. I mean, there, it's just amazing that the young core that they have building um, so many storylines heading into this game and so forth going into this week. So it's big. It's crucial. But there's just so many other stories around the sports world and, and you know, in, in terms of the NFL as well. I mean, obviously, the NFL coaching cycle, the hiring process, Brian Flores and his lawsuit that he currently has going on uh, in terms of minority coaches being hired and giving uh, a replicable uh, opportunity and chance to get head coaching jobs. Uh, that's a, that We could do literally a whole episode on that. And I probably will in the very near future um, because I think it's important. I think we should, I probably should get somebody else to even come on and we can discuss it because it's a, it's a really vast and just wide range topic. Uh, obviously some NBA news, uh, James Harden, the Brooklyn Nets, LeBron, Lakers. Uh, you, there's just so many, the trade deadline, all-star games. So there's just so much going on, so much going on in the sports world that we could really cover. But I'm going to give you guys um, some Super Bowl stuff. I'm going to start with the Super Bowl. I may dive into a, uh, a couple of issues or topics with, you know, surrounding the NFL and so forth, and maybe even an NBA topic, uh, depending on you know, what the time is. So, like I said, <clears throat> haven't talked to you guys since uh, prior to I, I dropped two conference championship 
episodes heading into those games. I picked the Rams to win the NFC. They did. I picked the Chiefs to win the AFC. They did not. Um, <laughs> they did not. And I'm not, I'm not going to – you guys already probably know what I feel about it. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, a, a fourth-quarter meltdown, a, a second-half meltdown, right? And then Joe Burrow, Cincinnati cashed in, so forth. Let's, let's just take a look at this game. I have the Rams and the Bengals. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make my pick right here right now. I think this game has the makings of a low-scoring – uh, I, I think this could be a low-scoring defensive contest. I, I really do. I'm thinking more of the long, the lines of like 24-17, 24-20. Uh, I don't think this is going to be – it could – I mean, I, hell, I could be wrong, and this could be a game where both teams reach 30 or the high 20s. But I, I think the Rams, just looking at the matchup between these two teams, if there was any team in the NFC – that Cincinnati didn't want to play, it would be the Rams because they they have, especially the things in the pieces defensively, the Rams have the pieces defensively to really, really cause havoc with Cincinnati and to nitpick and to really point out and scheme out their issues. Cincinnati, I, I, obviously, I I think the world of Joe Burrow. I think Joe Burrow, it, the the this run that he's on, this playoff run, uh, and, and I'm not I'm not I'm not ruling out Cincinnati winning this game. My pick is the Rams. I'm picking the Rams to win this football game. I think overall they have a better team, and I like I said, I think they have the pieces, especially really on both sides of the ball, but especially on defense to really cause havoc up front and, and disrupt that Cincinnati high-explosive, high-octane offense. I think they have they have the pieces up front and in the secondary to do that. So I'm going to pick the Rams. And there's just so many advantages. Uh, and maybe this isn't a good thing. Maybe this is Maybe this is a trap. But there's just so many advantages pointing towards the Rams in this particular game. Well, like I said, Cincinnati, they're not here for no reason. They're not here for no reason. But let's really, if we're going to really talk about this, let's really peel back the layers. Cincinnati, they beat, they, they beat the, Vegas, the Vegas Raiders wildcard weekend. And this is not me. Uh, this is, and I hope people, you know, supporters of Joe Burrow or Cincinnati or the Bengals, this is not me shitting on the Bengals. But this is just the, the truth. This is like the, like, this is the real truth. Let's just unpeel and peel back the layers. Okay, the, the Cincinnati, they beat the Vegas Raiders. Cool, right? At home, play, playoff victory, cool. The following week, they go on the road to play the number one seed, Tennessee Titans. Now, we could argue all day long where the Titans are like a legitimate number one seed and so forth, and Derrick Henry and his whole injury thing. We can talk about that all day long. But Cincinnati did not play a great game. That game with, with they, they they allowed nine sacks. You're not supposed to win a playoff game allowing nine sacks, and you're not supposed to win multiple playoff games when your offensive line is that bad. Tennessee, on the other hand, on the other hand, 
They Their defense did their job. Their defense only gave up one touchdown and had nine sacks. And then you look at what they do on offense. They didn't stick to their strength, which was running the football. And then Ryan Tannehill completely, completely wet the bed. It just didn't get talked about as much because that same weekend, Aaron Rodgers lost, Tom Brady lost, so some juggernauts went down. And then the and then we had the classic Bills Chiefs game. But Ryan Tannehill wetting the bed and having a, a just an utter collapse versus the Bengals does not get talked about much. It doesn't get talked about enough because that same weekend some other dramatic things happen to some bigger names and some bigger teams. So that don't get talked about enough. And then conference championship weekend. This is, like I said, this is not me shitting on the Bengals. I, I, like, I think it's a great story. I think Cincinnati, the Bengals, they have a good story. I like Joe Burrow. I root for Joe Burrow. I like Jamar Chase. I like this, your, this young core that they have. I think they're going to be a prominent contender in the AFC for years to come. I don't think this is a fluke. I think what they have, the nucleus that they have, it's real. But I'm just pointing out what should be pointing out, pointed out about this Bengals playoff Super Bowl run. And then we look at the conference championship, as I was saying. Mahomes starts out per- – he's he, he played a perfect first half of football. And then Kansas City, for some odd reason – Got too cute offensively. They got too pass happy. And literally, all they had to do was play just another clean half of football. They go into the Super Bowl. That didn't happen. Mahomes does an utter 360 or or 180, I should say. He does an utter 180 and just has the worst second half that I've probably seen from him. It kind of gave me some flashes of what I've seen at Texas Tech a little bit, where it was just the uncanniness ability to escape and elude pressure, but then it causes a mistake, a critical mistake or a turnover. Mechanics were a bit out of whack. And then Cincinnati was able to cash in and punch in their ticket to the Super Bowl. Like I said, I'm not doubting Cincinnati. I think they have, uh, I think this team is real, but I'm just pointing out what should be pointed out about the soup, their Super Bowl run. They've had a lot of breaks. They've had a lot of breaks. And we could we could really nitpick and do that with any team. But I think it's important that we do it with this Cincinnati team. It's a young team that was like usually you don't make these type of dramatic and drastic steps in in, in a in a quote unquote rebuilding process. I think the Rams on the other side, I look at the Rams. They have long-term veterans um, on this team that have been competing and playing and trying and playing in some crucial playoff games and moments for the past several years. They have fell short. And I feel like now is the time with the right quarterback under center, I think, and Matthew Stafford, who's had a remarkable playoff run that's now starting to get talked about. Now the Rams on the other side, I feel like the Rams, they feel like the more complete team. They feel like the team that's destined to win this game. They have, they have, they have veterans all over the place, all over the roster with playoff experience. Not to mind you, this team as a whole has been at the cuffs of winning it all 
for the past several years. NFC Championship game, they won. Super Bowl, they lost to the Patriots back in 2018. You know, obviously, golf and the whole golf and Sean McVay thing, their relationship was really tumultuous, and it was up and down. They find themselves back. Last year, they find themselves back in the divisional round. They lost to the Packers. Now they got to upgrade at quarterback in Matthew Stafford, and they're back in the Super Bowl just three years later. They've been at it. The Rams have been at it. They've been aggre- they've been aggressive. Every move, literally every move since Sean McVay has taken over this Rams football team, and they have, I mean, since he since he's taken over, they have been a legit contender in the NFC. They've been a big time player in the NFC, and with all of their acquisitions, most of their acquisitions, especially via trade, via in free agency, scooping up veterans. Uh, or aging stars that are, you know, that still got a little bit left in the tank, but getting them for a low price, they've been at it. The Rams have been at it. They've been at it. And that's why I favor them. Not to mention, like I said, not to mention all of the on-field advantages that I think they have. I think they have a coaching advantage. I think quarterback play is about equal at this moment. I think Stafford, I don't know. I, I don't know how people – I feel like people are really, really high. They're really high on Joe Burrow. I'm high on Joe Burrow. Um, but Stafford has had a, just as good of a playoff run. Um, but I know Burrow, he, he, you know, he's won, a, he's won two back-to-back road games in challenging situations. So I, I, give him, I give him his props on that. So the quarterback play is about balance. It's equal. But then I look at what, what I have, the Rams, they have the running game, the offensive line. They could. I think. I feel like the Rams are going to control the trenches. They're going to control the trenches. They're going to control the inside, offensive line, defensive line. That's what the Rams. I think that's the huge advantage. It's not so much the playmakers or the on the dudes on the outside, the skill positions. Because Cincinnati got pretty good skill positions. Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, Odell Beckham, Tyler Boyd, T Higgins. Vance Jefferson, Tyler Higby. Like, so th- there's th- the weapons, the weaponry on both sides and the skilled players on both sides, it's fine. I think the, the, the big, the huge separator and the huge gap is in the interior and in the trenches as far as offensive line, defensive line. The Rams have a really good offensive line unit. The Cincinnati Bengals don't, and that's been apparent. That is their biggest weakness. Their offensive line. And then defensive line, we know who the Rams, we know who the Rams have on the defensive line. Aaron Donald, the best defensive player in football. And he's been the best defensive player in football for some years now. Not to mention uh, Leonard Floyd on the other side, on the other edge. And then you got Von Miller's former Super Bowl MVP, Von Miller, on the edge. I think this has the makings to be, I think Cincinnati can keep this close. If they're able to move the ball a little bit, and uh, I, I need to see a lot of quick stuff, I want to see a lot of quick stuff, and I think it'll be it'll be definitely beneficial if Cincinnati can establish some type of run game. Try to, I don't, I, I don't think Cincinnati coming out just throwing the ball. I don't think that's going to work because the offensive line versus the Rams defensive line. I want to see the the Bengals try to establish some type of running game, 
some type of running game should be established to really slow down this Rams pass rush. That's my that that, that that's that would be my key my key point since to Cincinnati offensively. Try to establish a run game. Try to establish a run game. Don't go don't don't necessarily shy away with your you know, shy away from your strengths and what got you there. Obviously, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase being the playmaker that he is. But try to try to establish a run game. Joe Mixon's pretty talented too. And then I look at the back end. I like the Rams secondary. I obviously I love Jalen Ramsey. I, I talk about Jalen Ramsey. I think he's the best corner in football. I've been saying that for some time now too. Jalen Ramsey, the best football, in, he's the best corner in football. And depending on how you want to play Jamar Chase, you can put Ramsey on him all day, or you can you can bracket cover bracket coverage. Uh, you can play bracket bracket coverage on Jamar Chase and let Ramsey deal with T Higgins or so forth. It just the Rams. I feel like schematically, the Rams have a lot of advantages pointing in their direction. And for Cincinnati, this is a this is this is the type of game where for Zach Taylor and the coaching staff, I think with you got with the with the Rams having so many advantages to win this game or to keep this game in a winnable distance. I think Cincinnati and their coaching staff and Zach Taylor, they got to schematically bring their A game. They got to bring their A game. They got to find unique ways offensively to 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 limit Aaron Donald and the pressure and his presence. And that's 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 obviously easier said than done because <laughs> Aaron Donald, if you if you just if you're just uh, and if you're intellectual and you're watching the game of football, it's just hard to miss Aaron Donald. He literally makes an impact on every play. He has impact on every play, literally. So it's going to be it's easier said than done. But you got to find a way to limit his presence and the impact that he has on every play. He, <laughs> he can't be making a play. He can't be impacting the play on first, second, third, and third down. Like. You got to find a way to limit that. And it, like I said, it is easier said than done. It's usually not done. <laughs> it's usually very difficult. Usually. So, And, and with Cincinnati, you, like I said, I think offensively, with looking at the defensive line that you have to go up against, you just got to find unique ways to – I need to see bubble screens. How about utilizing T. Higgins? T. Higgins – Big big time receiver, um, big receiver. So that gives a lot of DBs problems. Uh, you know, very similar to Mike Williams. He reminds me, I see a lot of Mike Williams and T. Higgins game. Um, so I wonder, I don't know if they were I don't know if they were teammates at Clemson. I don't think they were. I could be wrong. I don't know. But regardless, um that's what I need to see. I need to, this is good. This is going to be if this game is going to be won by Cincinnati. I think it start a lot is going to a lot of it is going to have to be done with Zach Taylor just schematically being really good. This coaching staff they got to bring their agent their a game schematically because I just see so many advantages pointing in the direction of the LA Rams. And I, like I said, I think it's going to be a close game. This does have a little bit of like 
I can see the Rams. I can see Cincinnati keeping it close for the first three and a half quarters or so. And then at some point, the Rams break away in the fourth quarter with a couple of scores or so forth. But ideally, I'm thinking this game is going to be about 23-17, 27-17. That's what I'm thinking. 27-20 Rams. Um, like I said, I, I think there's just so many advantages pointing in the direction of the Rams. So, yeah, I think I feel like 27 20 or 30 to 20. I feel like that's the type of score that we're getting. It's going to be, I think it's going to be a really good game though. It's going to be really exciting, but that's just, that's just the tip of the iceberg. That's just the tip of the iceberg. So, and and speaking of the Rams, uh, I know I talked about a lot of what they could do defensively and offensively, Matt Stafford has been really good. Matt Stafford, uh, Matthew Stafford has been really good. He's had first he had a really good regular season. Uh, there was some, there were obviously some down moments, but boy, he's been hot. Matthew Stafford has been hot. He's on one. This postseason, he has a seventy-two completion percentage, nine hundred and five yards, six touchdowns to one interception. He's only been sacked five times in three games, and he has two game-winning drives, one fourth-quarter comeback. Obviously, that came uh, in the NFC Championship game, and he's been really good. Now, I've seen some people. Now, I, this, this, this is what this tells me. This is what tells me this. Okay, with Matthew Stafford, I think he's the prime example, or he's the poster child of talented quarterbacks, highly scouted, highly talented quarterbacks after their first couple of years in college being seeked out and are projected to be like the number one pick in the draft and they go to a dumpster fire like Detroit. And for years in Detroit, he gets totally just his talent just gets buried and and it's overshadowed by how bad just how terrible Detroit is as a franchise and you look at what he's done when you put him on a capable and well-functioning franchise like the Rams and a decent head coach like Sean McVay, and I think, and I think Sean McVay is more than decent. I think he's a great coach, and I think he's one of the better offensive play play callers in, in football. But with Detroit, and they, Detroit had a decent coach as well. They just fired him. <laughs> Once again, that speaks to the dysfunction of the Lions. But Matthew Stafford, what the what this has shown me is, should young quarterbacks that like in, in Matthew Stafford's case. He was the number one quarterback in high school. He was the number one quarterback in college. And then, obviously, he became the number one overall pick, which landed him in Detroit. And you look at Stafford, his career numbers. So he's right now, he's 86 and 95 and one. That's his career, re- that's his career record. Uh, but he had a 12 and five season this past year with the Rams, obviously. He's close to 50,000 yards. He has 300-plus touchdowns. And I'm looking at Matthew Stafford, and he, and he could be on – he's he's one game away from being a Super Bowl champion. 
when I look at Matthew Stafford, I'm really, really, really trying to decipher. First, can't does he have a legit Hall of Fame argument if he's if he finishes career in with with LA? Let's say after this year, Matthew Stafford plays another four to five years in LA and he finishes career in LA, which is very much reasonable. He's 30. He, well, he just turned 30. Oh, actually, he, it's I think it's Matthew Stafford's birthday. So Matthew Stafford, he turned 34 on February the 7th. Now, let's say he plays another four to five years and he finishes with a winning record. He continues to post stats like he did this year along, let's just say he wins the Super Bowl this upcoming Sunday. Does Matthew Stafford have a legitimate Hall of Fame argument? I think he may. I think he may. But besides that, I also think should highly talented quarterbacks suck a little bit in, while they're in college so they can so their draft stock can drop a little bit? I don't I'm not and I hate to say suck like that because you want every player to play to their best abilities. But Lord, God almighty, how much time has Matthew Stafford wasted in Detroit? He's wasted 12 years of his career and his prime being in Detroit. A franchise that's just a dumpster fire. And, and 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 could you believe that there were actual pundits in our industry? There were sports podcasters, sports analysts, sports bro. There were there were people literally blaming the Detroit Lions' failures on Matthew Stafford. Now, mind you, to a certain degree, I think there's a legitimate case. Matthew Stafford, could he have been better in certain moments and certain spots for Detroit? Yeah, he could have been better for sure. Absolutely. But to just blame Matthew Stafford for Detroit's dysfunction and to just have that as an overarching narrative as to how good and how talented Matthew Stafford really is as a player, I think is utterly ridiculous. And when you look at this one year, I get it. It's a one. It's a it's one sample size year with the Rams, but he's doing this in one year. That's my whole point. He's three and zero. He's three and zero. He's won more playoff games in the last two years than Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I feel I kind of feel for some of these young quarterbacks. Who are highly scouted out of high school, and it just only in the in the hype only continues to build as they're in college, and then the draft comes up, and they get drafted to a, a, a dumpster fire. And I just look at a guy like Matthew Stafford, who I think is the poster child of this whole topic. He's the poster child, and he has a pristine example as to why and how you can waste your career as a talented quarterback in a bad situation. That's Matthew Stafford. And like I said, I think after this year, if he continues to have, if he can put together another four or five years of what he did similarly to this year, 
I think Matthew Stafford legitimately have may have a case for the Hall of Fame because we know how talented he is. The talent of Matthew Stafford, it hasn't, it's never been questioned. And if it has been questioned, that person needs to be checked because you don't tell me he was number one high school recruit, number one, number one quarterback out of high school, number one quarterback in college, and was number one pick in the NFL draft. So the talent has never really been an issue. It's just about him showing up at big moments. And let's just be honest, the Lions were bad prior to Matthew Stafford. And the Lions, my bad, they still are bad. They still are bad. And they they were they were a really good feel-good story this year. But regardless, the Lions are still bad to this day. So I don't know. I kind of, with Matthew Stafford, I look at his situation and his career, how it's played out, and with him being one game away from being a Super Bowl champion and having just as many Super Bowls as Russell Wilson, as Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers. You look at Aaron Rodgers. Let's let's actually compare that. Matthew Stafford, because they played in the same division. Matthew Stafford got drafted, num- number one, like I said, number one quarterback coming out of high school, college, and he was number one pick in the NFL draft. He gets drafted to a hellhole. A hellhole. <laughs> That's called Detroit. Aaron Rodgers, mid-first rounder, you know, went to junior college, transferred, went to Cal. Like I said, mid-first rounder, gets drafted into an abundance of talent and riches in Green Bay, a, a, a traditionally great and stable franchise, a franchise that's been stable for years. He got drafted behind Brett Favre, Hall of Fame quarterback, make what you want of the relationship, but Matthew Stafford can't say that. Four, it, it, took, it took Aaron Rodgers four years to take the helm in the starting quarterback position of the Green Bay Packers. And then since then, he has inherited, you know, we can, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, this is my whole thing about, like, he complains and whines about just every little thing. But Green Bay, they have always had really good weapons and and, and receivers. He's always had somewhat decent coaching. The Packers, yeah, they don't have an owner, but traditionally they have been stable. And their offensive line is usually good. There's not a lot of chaos and dysfunction until like these ne- these last couple of years. A lot of that has to do with Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Green Bay usually just have really solid rosters. Why? It's apples and oranges. It's paradise and hell. The Packers, stable franchise. The Lions, historically a dumpster fire. Matthew Stafford is was just thrust until the into the spotlight as the Lions' savior and starting quarterback. Aaron Rodgers had to, he had four years sitting and learning behind Brett Favre. Like I said, we could talk about Brett Favre and argue all day how long and how how great he is. He's an all-time great quarterback. He's a Hall of Famer. 
Aaron Rodgers had four years to sit behind Brett Favre. And, and, and mind you, when Aaron Rodgers, when Aaron Rodgers took over the Packers and became the full the full-time starter, he walked into a great situation. They had a great roster. Defense, offense, weapons, offensive line, great roster. He walked into riches. They literally gave him the keys to a Mercedes and said, don't crash it. Just don't crash it. Just don't crash it. That's what Aaron Rodgers got. And Matthew Stafford, he got the Lions. So when I hear certain guys like Aaron Rodgers complain about the situation, oh, we need this, I need this, I need more of this, I'm just like, give me a break. Look at Matthew Stafford. Now Matthew Stafford is one win away from having just as many Super Bowls as Aaron Rodgers. I'm not saying Matthew Stafford is better than Aaron Rodgers. I'm not trying to make that argument. I'm just pointing out the, the mere facts. He's one game away, one win away from having just as many Super Bowls as Aaron Rodgers. And in these last two years, Matthew Stafford has more playoff wins than Aaron Rodgers. Just saying. Just saying. I just throw that out there. Aaron Rodgers couldn't beat Tom Brady in the Buccaneers last year. Matthew Stafford beat the he beat the Buccaneers, sent Tom Brady home, walking, retired. Tom Brady walked to the sunset. <laughs> Matthew Stafford beat Matthew Stafford and the Rams went into Tampa Bay, beat Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay. Tom, a couple weeks later, retired. Matthew Stafford beat the 49ers. Aaron Rodgers can't beat the 49ers to save his life. Can't beat the 49ers to save his life. Just saying, just saying, just saying. Um, on the other side, I'll be back. Maybe uh, I'll probably talk about some James Harden news. Also, I'm going to try to do – I'm going to do a top 10 players list. Top 10 players in this year's Super Bowl. Top 10 players. I can't – obviously, I can't do top 10 teams. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've, if, you, if you guys notice, I've been doing the top players and so forth. So I'm going to do top 10 players after this quick break. Top 10 players in this year's Super Bowl this year. Okay, let's get it. Okay, so as promised, I do a weekly top 10-ish type of list every week. I, or at least I try to. I try to do like, you know, some type of ranking. Uh, usually throughout the regular season or the NFL season, I do a top 10 teams weekly list um, that a lot of you guys tend to like. Uh, I enjoy doing it. I spend a lot of time and I dedicate a lot of time into putting it together those lists. Uh, but since the playoffs have started, I've done some couple. I've done you know several other things. I did the top eight teams. Uh, I did the top fifteen players remaining uh, two weeks ago. Um, and now I'm going to give you guys my top ten players going into the Super Bowl. My top ten players in the Super Bowl. Um, as I've, I've talked about it on the first segment of this episode, how I think there's so many advantages pointing in the Rams direction. I think by the names you will hear on my list, you can kind of see the direction um, or the advantages that I'm pointing towards. Um, but these are my top 10 players, uh, my top 10 players list going into going into the Super Bowl this game for this game. Top 10 players. So we're going to start from 10. Work our way up to number one. You guys know how we go. Let's do it. So at number 10, 
I have Von Miller. Um, Von Miller has really, he's really turned back the clock uh, these last couple weeks. L- like literally, he he really has. Uh, he showed he's shown some flashes. Uh, you know, later on throughout the stretch, down the stretch of the regular season, I'm giving him the tenth spot because he has he has experience. He has Super Bowl experience. Um, I feel like in this particular setting, in this particular game, I think it's fair. I think it's fair to say that he's a top 10 player in this game, uh, in this game, just because of the the moment, uh, his experience, and also he's been slowly ramping it up and picking it up down the stretch. Uh, he's been really vital, and he's he's added another pass rusher on the other side next to Leonard Floyd and obviously Aaron Donald within the middle in the interior of that defensive line. Von Miller is really starting to turn back the clock a little bit. Um, so he's really gave this Rams pass rush a more complete look. Um, even though they they were they were a pretty good unit prior to his arrival, but he's him getting better and slowly getting back in the groove of things has only like has only uh took their ceiling to the net uh, to another level. Uh so I got Von Miller. At number 10. At number nine, I have Odell Beckham Jr. Uh Odell, he's been, I think, if I'm not mistaken, as if now last time I checked, last time I checked PFF, Odell Beckham was the highest graded receiver in the postseason. So he was high, he had a higher grade than Tyreek Hill, uh Jamar Chase, Cooper Cup, his teammate. Like, so Odell Beckham has been wonderful and I, I i you guys know i've been pro odell um i've i've loved his resurgence and his reemergence onto the spotlight uh i think the rams i told you guys when this when this transition was made between you know when you know when the browns cut ties with odell and odell chose the rams i automatically thought it would work because <clears throat> certain people need just need to be in certain settings and odell is a guy he's not a not a bad dude. I think early on in his career, he was just young, made some young, immature mistakes, some bonehead mistakes. But really, he's really matured into a nice guy. Like, And he's always been a nice guy. But he's just matured over the years. Um, it took some humbling. It took some injuries, you know, throughout the past couple years and some down years a little bit. But you got, but he's been showing us flashes of the first four years of Odell. You know, he's been really showing us flashes since he's gotten to LA. And like I said, I think the setting helps. I think Sean McVay helps. I think Matthew Stafford having a quarterback that's actually, you know, decent. I think that has helped Odell um, in his with his re, with his resurgence onto the scene and I mean I, I can't like I said I can't say nothing else about him I think Odell I love I love the fact that he has a chance to win a Super Bowl but he also is playing at a, a very high level and if the Rams gonna have any type of success offensively obviously it's gonna start with the running game and Cooper Cup and Matt Stafford but then Odell Beckham is also a second great option in that in that passing game, and he's really come he's really come onto the scene later on down the stretch of the season. I got Odell Beckham at nine, at number nine, at ten, at oh at nine. I'm sorry, at number eight I have Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon he can he can do a little bit of everything as a running back. He can catch the ball, run the ball. Uh, 
since he, he kind of gets overshadowed because Cincinnati, we look at Cincinnati, we think about Cincinnati, we think about Joe Burrow and the weapons that he have on the outside as far as uh, Jamar Chase, obviously, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins. Um, we think about those guys. We think about the air attack that they have. But Joe Mixon was was highly, highly recruited uh, coming going into college. Obviously, he had some th- he had some issues, but he has really had a he's had some a couple of bounce back years uh, over the past couple of years, and he's just materialized into a really good running back. Um, he fits in well with with the with the Bengals want to do offensively and what their identity is. He's not a back that needs 25 to 30 carries. Like I said, he can do a mixture of a lot of things uh, with between catching and running the ball. He does that. He brings that. Um, so I, I like Joe Mixon. Uh, he should if this if like I said Cincinnati. I talked about it in the first in the opening segment. If they want to keep this, I think the, their best chance starting out offensively. Um, should be getting him going, getting the running game, establishing the running game, and trying to slow down the pass rush. That would help. Joe Mixon would be a big, vital part of that, um, of that game plan if they decide to go that way. Um, so Joe Mixon, <clears throat> Joe Mixon at eight, at seven I have Trey Hendrickson. Uh, he was a 2021 uh, free agent. The Cincinnati Bengals signed him. He he turned out to be pretty good. He had a breakout year in New Orleans over the past couple of years, but he's really, really he's 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 been he's shown that he's worth the big money that Cincy has paid him. Um, and he got a he got a big time matchup. Not gonna it's not gonna be a matchup that's gonna be talked about a lot because we're gonna obviously a lot of people focus gonna be on you know the Rams defensive line versus Cincinnati's offensive line because we know the struggles and the weaknesses of Cincinnati, but. Should be a pretty good matchup between Andrew Whitworth and Trey Hendrickson. Um, Whit- Whitworth was a, you know, he was almost, he was a, he was an honorable mention. Uh, I should say on this list, he, he's an honorable mention. Whitworth just just missed the list, but Hendrickson, he's gonna. That's a, that's gonna be a pretty good matchup to really watch out for with him and Whitworth. Um, at six, I have Matt Stafford. I have, I, I, oh, or well, at six, I'm sorry. At six, I have Jamar Chase. Now, this could be argued he Chase could be higher, Jamar Chase could be higher. Um it's but he's phenomenal. Regardless, regardless of his ranking, he's definitely a top 6, a, definitely a top 6 player in this game. Now, you can argue if he's top 4, top 5, you we can argue that all day long, but he's definitely a top 6 player in this game. Jamar Chase no really no surprise. Like Everybody was talking about Jamar Chase at LSU, and his and he he only played one year at LSU. But like we we've marveled and just fantasized how good we thought he was going to be at the next level. Turned out he had a pretty rough preseason, but then the regular season came, and then it just it is all switched, and he's just lived up, and he really has exceeded expectation expectations this year, and he's he's just a big part of what Cincinnati does. A lot of people. You know, Cincinnati caught a lot of flack because, you know, they could have went with a left tackle. They couldn't have went with Panesur, but they chose to go with Jamar Chase, and it's panned out really well. So Jamar Chase at six. Like I said, it can be argued whether he's at five, at four. You can make that argument. But I got him at six. Um, I got at number five, I have Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford, I have him at number five. He's kind of 
he's kind of silenced and proved his doubters wrong about him in big games and big moments. Uh, the, you know, the Rams, they, they almost had a colossal collapse versus Tampa Bay in the divisional round. Uh, Matt Stafford put together a game-winning drive. That I mean, made some hell, made some hell of a throws too. Played really well throughout that game. Um, Stafford, Stafford has delivered. Um, and then this past, well, last week uh, versus the Niners, who the Rams couldn't have beaten. They, they, they haven't beaten the Niners six straight times. They've lost to them six straight times, I should say. Um, and Stafford came up pretty big in that game. So Stafford continues to silence the doubters. Uh, he's proven to be an upgrade from Jared Goff. He's one game away from winning a Super Bowl. Matt Stafford is one game away from winning a Super Bowl. I think he's shown his worth. Uh, Stafford at five. At number four, I had to put Joe Burrow because Joe Burrow is doing something that Stafford couldn't do, and that is uplift a historically dysfunctional and cheap franchise. That's what Joe Burrow is currently doing at this moment. Joe Burrow... um, a lot of people see a lot of young Tom Brady. Um, I'm not going to disagree with that. Uh, I do see a lot of young Tom Brady as far as his confidence and the swagger. I love Joe Barrow's swagger. Like, you know, some guys are just good and just even-keeled and mellow-toned. Joe Burrow is really, really good, and he lets you know that he's really, really good. Like, And I, and I like it. And it's 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 not borderline. It's, some would argue that it's borderline cockiness. But um, I think it's just I think it's rightful just confidence. He has he he's just confident in himself, and I love it. And it's his confidence is so much. It's it's very much contagious, uh, with his teammates because I see the confidence throughout the Cincinnati, uh, just throughout the Cincinnati roster, and it, they just feed off of it. So I have Joe Burrow ahead of Matt Stafford. Like I said, he's doing something that Stafford couldn't do, and I'm not necessarily bashing Stafford because he couldn't do it, but I'm more so uplifting and crediting Joe Burrow for doing something that a lot of number one picks can't do, and that is usually, typically, uplift and just take and put a franchise on their back who has been historically dysfunctional and cheap. Um, So I got Joe Burrow at four. At number three... I have Cooper Cup. Uh, I have Cooper Cup at number three. He's had a phenomenal year, one of the best years we've seen from a receiver. Uh, I, I think it's, I think he has a really, really valid argument for not only MVP but definitely for Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, I think, I think that's valid. And then, I mean, maybe a legit MVP case, right? Maybe. Uh, I'm not saying he should, but. I think he's one of the candidates for like for MVP vote. I, I definitely think he's had an MVP caliber season. He continues to have put up big numbers on a weekly basis. He's as reliable as any receiver in the game this year. Uh, he's a great route runner, as good as anybody in the league, really. So Cooper Cup, like I said, with when it comes to what the Rams going to look like and what they're going to do offensively. Obviously, Cooper Cup is going to be a big part of that. Whether he's used as a decoy or whatever or whether his impact really shows in the stat sheet, he's going to be a huge increment um, and, and imprint. He's going to have an imprint on this game offensively on what the Rams do. So I got Cooper Cup at three. At number two, I realized the last list I did, I had this guy way too low, too low and I have a lot of respect, and I really love this guy. I, I, like, 
I really these he's really one of my favorite players because I just love how he plays football. And that is Jalen Ramsey at two. I think the last time I did a top 15 list, which was a couple weeks ago, ranking players, I think I had Jalen Ramsey a little too low. I think I had Jalen Ramsey a little too low, but this I think at number two, I got him at number two this time. I don't think that's necessarily too low. Um, one could argue that it may be too high, but I think Ramsey, him being an elite shutdown corner who literally does and like he can he he travels with anybody. He can I think he can cover just about anybody. Uh, he tackles. He can stop the run. He's not afraid to like. A lot of DBs don't want to tackle and don't want to get their hands dirty as far as defending and trying to stop the run game. Jalen Ramsey does that. And he's just an all-around, shutdown, elite corner. You really can't put a value to that on that. Um, those guys, those type of guys are just high value in today's game with all the explosiveness and all the explosiveness at the quarterback position and at the receiver position. It's, it's really beneficial and valuable and, and just so valuable to have an all like an all pro elite shutdown corner and that could do really anything. That's what Jalen Ramsey is. That's what he does. I expect him to be lined up on Jamar Chase a lot. Um, he could have different assignments, but I would I would love to see the Jamar Chase and Jalen Ramsey matchup. One of the more bigger, high profile. It's 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 a matchup that's getting that's receiving a lot of attention. Um, and then at number one, I think you guys can kind of guess it. <laughs> it's Aaron Donald. At number one, uh, he's an absolute game wrecker. Like I said, it doesn't take much. Like, if you're just a truly a football intellectual, Aaron Donald doesn't have to get a sack or doesn't have to get a tackle on every play to show you or to really explain to you how, like, his his true impact on every play. He doesn't necessarily have to be involved with the ending result. But at some form or some level at the of the play, he has some type of impact, and it's just remarkable. He's like I said, he's definitely the best defensive player in football. You one could make the argument, and people have been making an argument for years that he's probably the best player in football. So I absolutely love Aaron Donald. I got him at number one. Um, I got him at number one, I, and if, to be honest. I think Aaron Donald, I, I will, I'm probably willing to bet that he wins Super Bowl MVP. Uh, just looking at the matchup with Cincinnati and their offensive line. Cincinnati and their offensive line struggles uh, throughout the postseason. Uh, it, it's, it's alarming. It's alarming. And you look at a guy like Aaron Donald, who's a complete game wrecker, just dating back, thinking back towards defensive players that's, that's won Super Bowl MVPs i.e. Von Miller, who's a teammate of his. Uh, I think Von Miller had two sacks, two forced fumbles. If Don, if Aaron Donald can have, like, two sacks and he has constant – and he continues to have constant pressure or get constant pressure on Joe Barrow and maybe he can force a turnover, I think he wins Super Bowl MVP. Because especially if this is a low-scoring game. Because I, I, I feel like this game is going to be around, like I said, low 20s, you know, 24-20, 24-19. I'm thinking more around that, like 26-19. If, if the game is around that type of score um, and it's not that much offensive productivity, um, a guy like Aaron Donald or a guy like Ramsey 
could have a a, a very like a, like a, a their likelihood of winning Super Bowl MVP increases because they're gonna I think they're gonna have that much impact on the game, especially Donald because of the because of the the inferior offensive line that Cincinnati has. I think if Donald's able to get two sacks, maybe, and you know, have constant pressure on Burrow, I think he wins Super Bowl MVP. Or if he's able to get like a sack and maybe a turnover and has constant pressure just endlessly on Burrow, I think he can win MVP. I think I think he can definitely win MVP. So um Aaron Donald at number one. That's my top 10 players um for the Super Bowl, going into the Super Bowl this week, this week. Uh, really excited. I'm really, really excited. Like I said, I'm picking the Rams to win this football game. Um, I think it'll be. I think it's gonna be relatively close. I think we we're looking at a game that's gonna be close throughout the first three quarters. Um, but then more towards the late third quarter, going into the fourth quarter, I think the Rams probably get some crucial stops, maybe a turnover, um, or maybe just some really good field position where they're able to flip the score and they probably run away with the game. And I'm when I say run away, I mean like they win the game by 10 points. So I'm thinking 26 like or or close to 10 points. So I'm thinking 27-19 type. 27-19 Rams, 27-20 Rams, like a 7-8 point victory. That's what I'm looking forward towards the Rams. Um, I think they get they get enough stops um, versus Cincinnati, and I think offensively they'd be good enough and productive enough to go on and uh, be Super Bowl champions. So I got the Rams winning it all. Uh, like I said, looking at the time, I'm gonna let you guys go. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Like I said, I'll be back uh, after. I mean, after after this game, you know, this is this is the gateway and the. To the NBA, you know, more NBA content. So for all my NBA fans out there or for people that love my NBA content or, the, or you know, just like enjoying, you know, listening to NBA content, uh, be sure to continue to tap in and, you know, come, you know, continue on this podcasting journey with me. Um, because, uh, I, like I said, after this game, it's going to be a lot of it's going to be a lot of NBA content. I'm still going to do some NFL, obviously, because of the draft, free agency, offseason, stuff like that. But um, you know, this is the gateway to, you know, some some NBA content as uh we get closer and closer to the trade deadline. So big trades already happened. So uh without further ado, I'll let you guys go. Always always remember two choices, one decision. This is your boy. I'm gone out. Peace, deuces, enjoy. <laughs>